You're listening to the Hometown Crowd Podcast, part of the 910 Comedy Podcast Network. On this week's episode of Hometown Crowd, the NCAA takes a big step towards letting student-athletes profit off their name, image, and likeness. The NFL Draft left us with very few surprises, and stand-up comedian Willis Madden joins us to talk about the conspiracy theories surrounding the sports world. Get on your feet, you're cheering with the Hometown Crowd. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of Hometown Crowd, your source for sports news across the country and in our backyard of Fayetteville, North Carolina. I'm one of your hosts, Tim Dipple. Hey guys, it's Mac. And I'm Heather, still not a Browns fan, despite it being LSU North, Lewis. (laughs) Be sure to follow us on all social media at Hometown Crowd on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also email us at hometowncrowdpod at gmail.com and be sure to subscribe to us anywhere you find your podcasts. If you're an Apple subscriber, we would love a five-star review. And if you leave us a review, we will read it on the next episode if you put your name on it. Uh... No new reviews this week, but joining us tonight is stand-up comedian and one of the admins of 910 Comedy, Willis Madden. Willis, how you doing tonight? Doing great. I'm glad you guys had me on the week after a professional basketball player. It's like, hey, how far down can we go on guests? <laughs> <laughs> that Listen, was a we, fun episode. I think we've been saying since day one that we're striving for mediocrity at best. <laughs> well, so. you got it. Open mic comic. Exactly. You nailed it. Well... How how are the rest of you guys doing tonight? Yeah, uh, I have a final I have to take after this, so I just I want the whole I, I want Corona to go away. I want my sports back. I'm just I, I'm wallowing in in butt hurt right now. So <laughs> so not much has changed. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Heather, how about you? Um. Well, I'm doing great. We got a new puppy who is amazing. I saw that and adorable and he's so vicious because he's biting my toes um and then i also got asked today uh if i thought that college football was going to be making a comeback and i was like you know what i'm gonna say no because i would not mind for lsu to hold on to that trophy for another year so (laughs) that's the only reason you wouldn't want college football to be back yep it's yep. because it's so hard to repeat as national champion. Exactly. Listen, we will never have that season again. Yeah. So, you know what? I will milk it for as long as possible. Well, I mean, it, uh, you can't take it away from LSU. And, I'm, I mean, there's going to be some some pains uh, whenever, foot, you know, college football gets going again for the for the LSU because they had, they lost what, like 14 players. Oh God, it was too many. Yeah. (laughs) And then they lose their offensive coordinator too. Yeah, they did. Oof. Yeah. I think, I think Yahoo sports actually, when they finished their bracket, it may be recency bias, but 2019 LSU was named the greatest college uh, football team of all time. Wow. I mean, I don't know if you could argue that, um, Oh, I'm sure there's plenty of people who will argue yeah, that. Yeah, especially but... especially like Nebraska fans. And That's you know who it came down to was Nebraska yeah. or 2019 LSU. Yeah. And listen, they are entitled to their wrong opinion. It's fine. <laughs> I'm surprised there weren't more Alabama fans arguing since his were their recent success. Well, yeah, I... it, it was it was individual season. 
oh, accomplishment. Okay. So like yeah. Alabama has had some really good seasons and they, they're definitely a dynasty, but in terms of a single season, LSU yeah. definitely in the conversation, uh, 2001 2002 Miami 95 96 Nebraska and that's really the top of that conversation yeah it was yeah. more like just flash in the pan seasons is what gotcha. they were going off of so yeah. uh, that makes sense then yeah obviously the Nick Saban era is probably tops in terms of overall dynasties like, yeah but... like ever 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 so yeah. but but who cares yeah uh, I, like, I, I so, like seeing other teams win. I don't. I don't need Alabama every year. I was very happy they were out in the playoff this year. Everybody oh, yeah. outside of Alabama and even half mm-hmm. of that state was happy that they were out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the Auburn fans were probably like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> in fact, I think Auburn was ranked ahead of Alabama. Uh, even better. Uh, what I for mean, their 2010 season? No, no, no. I mean, in terms of at the end of the season this year. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. I, I, don't, I can't remember. Thing, so. But okay, we, we don't have much on the Corona front. Um, there's been a lot of speculation about when seasons may or may not return. Um, the NBA and NHL both said they may allow some teams access to their facilities as early as sometime in May. Um And North Carolina Governor Ray Cooper announced that, assuming that the numbers trend downward, the Coca-Cola 600 will be allowed to take place Memorial Day weekend. But beyond that, that's really it. Uh, Plus, you know, UFC is just doing UFC stuff. I mean, well, like Dana White's always, I mean, he's going to always do what he wants. Uh, It looks like Fight Island's going to be a real thing. Oh, God. Uh, We're going to get a Kumite. Yeah, I mean, that's the Kumite, Kumite. I'm, I'm dying to know how he's going to pull this off because there are people like there are fighters from all over the globe that aren't going to be allowed to leave. You know, like it's just we may see a card fully of like American fighters from Florida, um, you know, fighting in wherever, uh, you know, they're going to get on a in plane. an undisclosed location. Yeah, yeah you know, they're, they're going to be put on a plane, kidnapped and shipped off to Fight Island, where they're just going to proceed to beat the shit out of each other uh, in front of no one. And, uh, you know, and Dana White's going to have to... See, the thing is, Dana White is pushing because he doesn't get that big TV money unless he meets a certain number of dates. He has to fill up 40 cards. So if he's at 39, the parent company of UFC doesn't get that big ESPN check. So that's that's what it is. He, He wants to make sure that his corporate overlords... Um, you know, get their money and that he gets his money because I think he still retains like a 10% ownership stake um, in addition to being, uh, you know, the the president of, of what, you know, the whatever his official title is. So, I mean, if he can pull it off, I, I there are fighters out there, I think, that'll fight him on it, you know, because let's face it, the, the tier paid system that the UFC has is just straight butt cheeks. And a guy's not going to risk getting corona when the organization he fights for offers like barely anything for insurance and they're only $15,000. So, uh, I mean, would I like $15,000? Sure. Do I want to get coronavirus and die? Nope. So (laughs) living is fun. Yeah. I assume there'd probably be some sort of incentive for them to even do the fight islands on the fight. I would hope. I mean, dude, it's, it's, it's Dana White though. When they signed that Reebok deal and put all those fighting, the fighters into the different tiers, 
you know, it doesn't matter what you do, you know, you're a tier three fighter, you're going to get $20,000 for this fight. And they are eligible for like fight of the night and, and knockout of the night, submission of the night bonuses. But I mean, if you just fight a good fight and you win, you know, you're still only getting that 20000 or 15000 Like, I think it goes all the way down to $10,000, um, you know, and the way these guys have trained, you know, these fighters train now, like, that's essentially, uh, you know, for a couple months of training. You know, they right. paid for the training camp with that with that check, so. Yeah. yeah. We had some much bigger news today, though. The NCAA Board of Governors voiced their approval for student-athletes to start to receive payment in exchange for use of their name, image, and likeness. Uh, the measure still requires a vote from the uh, at the NCAA convention, but the governor's approval all but ensures that that's going to pass. Um, we've been big champions of allowing players to profit off of that. Um, realistically, there's this breaks down the barrier. Other than paychecks, there's not a whole lot of difference now between, you know, college and pro in terms of what you can do as a player. Yeah. I mean, it's it's great. Let these guys make some money, uh, and hopefully we can get NCAA football video games back. That'd be great. That yes. would be amazing. Uh, yes. Um, I, it's It's been way too long since I took uh, ULM into the SEC and dominated for a string of five seasons before <laughs> I moved to, uh, uh, you know. But uh, I'm you sorry. Know. Excuse you? Did I just hear what I thought I heard? Yes, yeah. you did. How dare you? What do you mean, how dare I? I mean, I always picked the really bad teams, made them really good, and then I left and did it at another school. It was amazing. Great. Awesome. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm so proud of you, Mac. Listen, you didn't. You don't have the love affair that almost every other person that played sports video games had for NCAA football. You, you're correct. It, it was just, that was, that. You, you look forward to that game more than Madden most yep. times. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I can't say, listen, my, my experience was always quarterback club. And it was a shotgun oh. play every single time. Uh, I didn't know anything else. Yeah. I didn't know any other play. I formation. <laughs> That's it. Every time. So so the real question that, that lingers is, will this lead to the rich getting richer, or will this create more parity among the NCAA? I mean, why the rich are always going to be richer. We're always going to have the top teams and the also rants like that isn't going to change. Um, there's just too much money involved in the sport now. And I mean, I guess when you look at it um, from kind of an objective point of view, it's not the universities that are paying these guys. It's right. You know, it's it's going to be how they market themselves. And the indication yeah. is that the boosters are going to be like they're going to attempt their best to remove boosters from the equation as well. They need to. Boosters were the worst thing to ever happen to college sports. I mean, they're th those are just fucking awful people. Oh god, yeah, they you know? are. You know, um, I mean, look at look at the asshole that essentially uh, torpedoed University of Miami for like six years. Uh, Shapiro, um, I think that's his last name, but he was like, yeah, man. Uh, you know, I, I did it for a long time until I got busted, and then he essentially testified. Uh, to the NCAA, yeah, dude, I was paying for play I was paying players directly. I was giving them cars. I was doing all this. Like, there's there's no reason to have booster clubs. There's no reason to have boosters. There's no reason to have a bunch of people uh, who couldn't play the sport at that level 
but graduated from that school, did something where they made a shit ton of money, and then they get to use that football program or that basketball program or whatever program it is as, like, their own personal recreational thing. You know, like, it's... Uh, if you're a booster, you should just be yeeted into the fucking sun. A <laughs> uh, couple of comments from, you know, our Facebook group. Uh, Chris Koffler thinks the rich will get richer, more incentive to go to a big school and get noticed. But on the other hand, these athletes are making their schools so much money, but see none of it. Um, yeah. yeah Bill, I mean, that's the thing though. It's, I don't see that. Like if you're not good enough to go play at Ohio state, you're not going to get recruited by Ohio state. You know, those guys are still going to have to go out and get those guys. Um, and you know, it's just, you're going to have to have co- like coaches like Orgeron and Saban and, and Ryan Day and all these other, these young coaches that are able to connect with these players, you know, because these players don't go to a school because of the, the name on the jersey. They're going there for that coach and how that player is going to fit in that coach's system and then have that overall group success. But, you know, I mean, that goes back to me saying if a coach leaves, every player he recruited should be able to leave as well because – you know, he was recruited by that guy. He wanted to play for that guy, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but, I mean, he, he might have a point. He might have a point. That might be, We just might see everybody just say, fuck it. I'm only going to get recruited by the big schools, and that's where I'm going to go. Uh, Bill Osmond agrees with you that he just wants the video game back. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Harrison wants to know if Mac is losing his mind now that all his hate mail has paid off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> When I saw that, I was just overjoyed. Um, I these guys, these these athletes are, are are do so much work just to to play through this um, this antiquated and stupid feeder system that we have in college sports. You know, we were talking about that with Lee last week. So um, I hate how we do introduction into the pro ranks in the United States. Um, I'd like to see the entire thing blown up. Uh, and just have club teams where you you work your way up through the system and feed directly into the parent club. But, you know, Americans need their college sports as well. It's like a survivability thing for them now. It's like if they don't pay them anything, they're not going – that system you're talking about is going to happen. Yeah. Eventually. Like, and these schools will lose out on all that money, and then, you know, they might actually have to charge even more for textbooks. I don't know how they make it back. Well, I mean, that's the thing, though. If you look at these athletic departments, a lot of these ADs are freaking out because they're like, if we don't have football, we're we're probably going to have to eliminate sports, you know, uh, certain sports and just keep some, you know, which brings in a whole other slew of issues. Like, how do they balance that with Title IX? You know, what male sports get cut so you can cut, like, women's fencing? You know, that type of thing. Um, and it, this, this should – I would like to see – I would like to say that this whole – horrible pandemic is going to force these schools to be smarter with their athletic department budget. Um, but I doubt we see that, honestly. <laughs> um, I think you're right, man. There's going to be like, well, all right, you know, we're fine. You know, we're, we got to make sure these guys can make a little extra money, but we have to keep this gravy train rolling. You know, we have right. to have, you know, so, I mean, it's I don't a, know. It's a billion dollar industry. That's why they, like when they couldn't make money off the video games, that's why they cut the video games. Yep. Players were suing for the, for that money. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that, and that's the thing, you know, it's just be smarter with the money you do have. Budget better. Uh, right. d- does a college football team need 58 jerseys to wear over a 13-game season? No. We're talking, we're looking at you, Oregon. Yeah, especially Oregon and Maryland 
and, and Maryland. Maryland. Maryland does have a lot too. They got uh, an Under Armour. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and, and Oregon's got Nike. So, but yeah, I mean, we just I don't know. I, it's just I, I like writing, you know, going to Pembroke and writing about that football team and seeing how they've struggled to to kind of one put asses in seats and two field a, a football team. And granted, it's at D two, but it's that department's you know that athletic department isn't bringing in a ton of money. Um, you know, so I mean, it's I can see the struggle. Like football is a, is it great for some schools? Yeah, but it's not great for all schools. You know, it's 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 a black hole of money. Yeah. So, like I said, I mean, it still requires the uh, vote at the NCAA convention, but it's looking more and more like. Uh, I think I saw starting in twenty twenty one, the players will start to be able to profit off their image and name and likeness. Yeah, I think that's because of the California bill. Uh, that's yeah. what it's supposed to kick in. But, I mean, I don't know if, how, like, we know for football, this is going to be a boon. Basketball, I mean, the number one recruit uh, for, you know, for at the, at the ESPN 300 or whatever it is, he's still, he's opting out of college and going to play in the G League. Yeah. You know, you know I mean, you're probably going to see, even with the opportunities to make money, more and more uh, basketball players do that. I mean, what's the point? You know, just spend a couple of years in the G League and then go make that money. Or yeah, I'm curious to, to see how that plays out. Or they'll just pop over to Europe and make a little bit of money yeah. that way and become worldly, you know? Yeah, you know, I mean, and that's, that's, you, I, I, if, oh, if, if ugh, sorry guys, if, if all the sports that we have in the United States, I could see basketball before any of the other ones going to like a, a club-based feeder model rather than relying solely on, on the college game. And they were yeah. drug kicking and screaming back into like not letting not recruiting people out of high school. They wanted to get them as early oh, yeah. as possible. And they, and then they were forced into, they got to serve a year in college. Yeah. And that, that one and done year or, you know, the one and done rules. That's ruined basketball. Yeah. It's ruined college basketball. I yeah. hate it. Yeah. I've, I never liked it. Like some guys are going to be able to make, to make that transition from high school to the pros like that, you know, some, some players are able to do that. Uh, and others need that seasoning in college. But if you can get that seasoning while getting paid, yeah, you're making money, man. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> but I mean, this is the United States, and we kind of bend over backwards to ensure that we do whatever we can to make sure our citizens can't make any money. So <laughs> <laughs> that's not biased at all. Um, the other big piece of news this week is that the NFL draft happened. Uh, we did have our live, I was on the air for four hours that night. Good God. Um, yeah. I, I was that desperate for people to talk to uh, <laughs> and any semblance of sports and anything that I, I was live from a few minutes before while well, pick one was supposed to start. Uh, it really didn't start for another 20 minutes after that mm-hmm. all yep. the way through Clyde Edwards Hilaire going at the end of round one. Yeah. Um, I want to say, I think I was on for like almost, I think I was almost like an hour and a half. You you were on for about a solid hour, I think. Yeah, so it was um, something like that, yeah. Mac was on for a good couple hours. We had some guests pop in and out. Uh, it was a good time. Um, but not a whole lot of surprises in the draft, at least early on. No, no, no. no. That was It was probably the most kind of like, okay, I saw this one. You know, you can kind of see it unfolding that way. And um, I mean, I really like the Chiefs pick. At 32, um, I think uh, Edwards Alaire is going to be deadly in that offense. Um, 
But, uh, I mean, there wasn't. You know, there was the run on wide receivers and the, and the run on offensive linemen that lasted the entire, you know, seven rounds. Uh, yep. Because this, this was a really uh, big draft for wideouts and linemen. Um, you yep. know, so, so, I mean, it's it was what it was. You know, I mean, I had fun. I, the, the NFL draft and the NBA draft are the two things I look forward to most during the summer. Uh, because I am an Indians fan, and they always seem to let me down. Um, you know, so I just uh, I thought it was really cool, uh, and how they kind of how it carried. You know, it, it just it moved seamlessly. You know, they, the tech guys, I tip my hat to them. Uh, yeah, it was a very happen. interesting draft, and I'm curious to see you know what happens moving forward because. Obviously, Cleveland is hosting next year, they've announced, and Vegas is hosting the year after that. But I didn't feel like we lost a whole lot by having it be a virtual draft. Yeah, I mean, I still, you know, people still watched, you know. Yeah. I, and I, record I, numbers of people, too. Well, I mean, I, I was talking to my roommate last night, and I brought that up. He's like, bro, it's because nothing's happening. People are dying for something to watch right now. That's true. <laughs> You know, well, and, and I did appreciate uh, Goodell like showing fans like booing him kind of throughout. <laughs> he, like he specifically because, brought people on to boo, which uh, I appreciate because James saw it. Like as cause I started the draft, as I always do, of me standing up, two fingers up, going "fuck you, Goodell." Like. Every time, that's how I always start the draft. And it was nice to see, like, other people on the screen doing the same thing. <laughs> and he leaned into it. That was great. It, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know so, he's a good sport about it. I still um, hate him. He can still just go fuck himself, but. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you, Heather. Sure, yeah. he's a good sport. Good I, I, I'm saying he's a good sport about being booed. Uh, I, that's about all the credit I I'll mean, give him. Okay. Hey, oh. if, if I was making $35 million a year. I too would be a good sport about being booed, and then I would drive. I would drive the the tears coming out of my eyes from laughter with my hundred dollar bills. Okay, like yeah. that's what I would do. <laughs> he would have it in like he would have his hundred dollar bills in like a little tissue packet that he keeps yeah. in his pocket. Yeah, they're just neatly folded, and it just boop. he just takes them out and dabs, uh, and then, no. he, then he balls them up and throws them. Exactly. Just he doesn't need yeah. it again. No surprise to anyone, LSU quarterback Joe Burrow goes number one to Cincinnati. Um, and uh, then, you know, the the rest of LSU got scattered among the league. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. It was That's a exactly ridiculous amount, something like 14 players, yeah, I think. I want to I say it was 14, and that was just, uh, you know, it goes to show how well, you know, Orgeron recruited and then uh, – just the, the season they had. I mean, 14 dudes taken in that draft. That is listen, crazy. Listen, what we witnessed there was the murder of a team and <laughs> seeing the body parts just being scattered across the winds. Okay? I think I read that as of now, though, there are only two teams in the NFL that don't have at least one LSU alumnus on them. <laughs> and I can't, I couldn't tell you who they are. But there are only two teams. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I couldn't tell you who they are because they don't matter. So it's fine. But, you know, half of those 14 players ended up on Cleveland. Yeah. That's <laughs> what it seems like. Yeah. I, I mean, think we're up to five now. Um, Hold on. Hold are, on. Are, two, are two wide receivers. It's five. It is five. Greedy Williams. Greedy, and then the two we drafted Delpit. this year. You got Grant Delpit. Yep. Yep. 
Um, and didn't Divinity go there? No, to- Jacob Phillips. Phillips, that's it. Phillips, yeah. Yeah, we took him at the, at the end of the third round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's who I was thinking uh, of. Yeah. Yeah, my my team with their first pick, uh, which was in the second round because you know Belichick don't like drafting in the first, mm. uh, was a safety from Lenore Ryan. So I mean that was <laughs> <laughs> right here in North Carolina. Yeah. That's uh, your boy. That's that's your boy, Mac. Hey, you know what? He's got a plan. Okay. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I honestly thought that uh, Jake Fromm was going to land in New England. No, he's not a good quarterback. Why would, like, he wasn't good in college. Neither was Brady. Brady split time, though. Fromm had three starting years. And I want to know how Kirby Smart, how stupid he feels, saying, you know what, Jacob Fromm, don't worry about it. You're physically limited, but you've got that leader thing about you. Hey, Fields, go ahead. You can transfer. I don't really give a shit. Just go ahead and leave. And then, you know. I think they picked Ugh. up the guy from Wake Forest, though, right? In the transfer protocol, Georgia did? Yeah. I know this is off topic, kind of. Yeah, but I no, mean, it's, it's all good. I mean, that's that's like the, they, instead of calling it the transfer protocol, they should just call it like the fucking bargain bid QB finder or whatever, <laughs> you know? Because you don't see a lot of other positions, like, transferring. A lot, most, it's like nine out of ten of them are quarterbacks. Yeah, are you yeah. saying are you saying they went to the big lots of yeah. <laughs> trying to find somebody? Well, didn't, really? Did the number one overall pick come out the big lot bin? Uh, well, you know, it, it, it's kind of like it's kind of like the Salvation Army. Uh, you go in there, and once in a while, you pull out a Joe Burrow or a Justin Fields. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, but more often than not, you get Jared Stidham in college. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, like, how far down the rack do you go before you pull something like that? Well, dude, I think I saw, like, after um, Mark Rick's second year at UM, like, they had, like, no quarterbacks. Uh, they only had, or they only had, like, one quarterback on the roster when they can carry up to six Jeez. on the extended roster. <laughs> so he, he That sounds like he, a Mark Rick run school. Oh, dude, bro. He It's like he, he went, after practice, he goes to the office. He's like, all right, transfer portal. Let's open up and see what we got. Uh, okay, yeah, we got a guy from uh, St. William and Mary College in uh, Frisco, Texas, or whatever the fuck, you know. Hey, come on down, man. Uh, so, so, Heather, what were your thoughts on how the Saints did in the draft? Um, To be perfectly honest, by that point, I had gone to bed. And I'm I'm actually looking at it. Did the Saints even draft? No, I don't know if they did. To be perfectly they, honest, they had because picks. yeah, they they traded away a lot. Um, they did, but I mean, to be perfectly honest, they really didn't need yeah, a whole there, lot. There's so, not a lot of holes on that team. Not yeah, a lot of holes on that team. But I'm still. I mean, I don't understand why they think they had a hole that was enough for fucking Jameis Winston to show up. <laughs> but and then. They the next day they re-signed uh, Taysom. Yeah, uh, right. Like, oh, okay. I mean, Jameis will be happy. There's plenty of crab legs there, so I mean, he's not gonna have to go steal them. I just want so, you guys to know, ESPN came out and said that Taysom Hill will also be eligible to play flex and tight end in fantasy leagues this year because oh, beautiful. He had 236 receiving yards and six touchdowns. Yeah, I I don't. Listen, that I, sounds I just, like a bi-week prayer. That's I, a Danny, the Danny new Danny Woodhead. 
Listen, I don't I don't question Sean Payton at this point. Yeah. Like I mean, you said, like you said, Mac, about Belichick. Yeah. He's got a plan and I just have to put trust in it that yeah. it's the right one. So Willis, your uh Carolina Panthers drafted seven defensemen. Yeah, you had, hey. they had an entire defense to rebuild. It was the smartest thing they possibly could have done. Yeah, but see, let's face it. Outside of McCaffrey, that's all Carolina does anyway is draft defensemen. Yeah, pretty you much. Know, so. <laughs> I thought Gettleman yeah. was back in the seat there, Will. <laughs> it, uh, it was not as disappointing of a draft as it could have been. It was honestly the only bright spot to our entire offseason. It was like, hey, new players. Yeah, Let's see who we're going to cut from this group. Yeah, see, I'm interested to see what they do at quarterback, man. Um I, I mean, just, is Teddy Bridgewater a, a starter? I, I don't know if you're going to get a full season out of him. Like, are you going right. to get? Are you going to get a full season of the five games he played uh, when Breeze was down, mm-hmm. or you know, he's? I mean, it's science that if you've had knee injuries, you're you're more predisposed to getting another. Well, um, I don't. And, I don't understand a three-year, sixty million dollar deal. Yeah. We had a guy who had a basically twenty million dollar deal for a year. We let go. Yes, he was injury prone. I'm a cam guy. He got us to a Super Bowl. And then he didn't dive on the ball. But you know what? I'm always going to be a cam guy. It's just like, at least I was a Dell home guy until we got cam. All those quarterbacks who came after Dell home, I was like, trash, get them out. Then we got a number one pick, and I was like, perfect. This guy will be here for a minute. Speaking Um, of uh, other gems from the Salvation Army of quarterback oh, yeah. of, of the college football Cam Newton. <laughs> he uh he did pretty good after he stole that computer at florida and got yeah. out of there <laughs> yeah um, i just i i i'm interested to see what cam's gonna do um I, I, he's he's not anywhere yet so it's yeah like, but is he gonna be one of those guys that waits until the season starts you know when when inevitably quarterbacks get hurt or is he gonna be one of those dudes that signs like a a low number uh one year prove it deal and then goes back into free agency again, hoping for something bigger, you know? Well, it's like, if Jameis Winston can get signed, I have no uh, idea why Cam Newton hasn't yeah. been signed. Like, I, it, it blows my mind. Like, statistically, I would rather have Cam. Oh, dude, just overall, I'd rather have Cam. Uh, yeah, uh, and I hate Cam. I have since his college days, but yeah. 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 I mean. At least I know Cam can complete a pass to his own teammates. Whereas oh, God. Fun fact. Uh, Jameis Winston has completed more passes to the New Orleans Saints than Taysom Hill has. That's hilarious. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. I love that. Listen, uh, I don't need y'all putting this on my season just yet, please. Okay. Well, he got his, he's got his new season? side in this fixed. Yeah, I mean, so maybe he'll only throw 28 interceptions rather than 31. Uh, I don't think <laughs> so from your mouth to God's ears at this point, all right? The only way he throws 28 interceptions is if Drew Brees gets hurt and Taysom Hill gets hurt. I, I have no, I don't think he's coming off the bench dude, very much this year. I, dude, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be them getting injured. I think they're like, they would do weekend at Bernie's for Brees' corpse before they put Jameis in. <laughs> Uh, the one other team that did very well in the draft, and I hate that they did, is Baltimore. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm. Baltimore had a really good draft, and I hate them for it uh, because they picked up J.K. Dobbins, an Ohio State alum. They picked up Malik Harrison, an Ohio State alum. And immediately after the draft ended, they signed a uh, friend of a friend, Sean Pollard. 
who's from Southern Pines here. And I really hate that I kind of just a little need to pull for Baltimore because of those three things. Just a little bit. No, you can't um, even do no. that a little bit because mm-hmm. then you, you would have to take all your brown shit and burn it. <laughs> Listen, you don't see me having to like keep an eye on Carolina because I got Terry Bridgewater because he single-handedly saved the season this year. It's not going to happen. So no, you don't. I, I, I told my friend uh, who knows Sean that I wish him 14 great games a year. Um, but those two against Cleveland, I hope he suddenly forgets how to play. Um, <laughs> because I hate the Ravens. Um, but Let's turn to our final topic of the night. And the reason we brought Willis Madden on, uh, Willis is a self-proclaimed conspiracy theorist. Oh, yeah. And we all know that there are, the sports world is not immune to the conspiracy theories. Not at all. So, mm-hmm. Willis, tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, I can't, I can't just do lizard people all the time. So it's like it's, sports is like real world stuff. And uh, most of the stuff I brought to the table today is probably stuff people are going to kind of know about, but maybe not. Like, uh, in the, like NBA draft rigging. It's kind of more of an old thing, like in the 1985 draft with Patrick Ewing. Oh, the Knicks, yeah. The Knicks were like the third worst team that year. But like that, this is before they had the uh, like the percentage the lottery. lottery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so like your, I think what top or bottom 11 teams all had the same chance to get the number one pick. And the teams that were worse than the, the Knicks were like the Pacers. And I found it on my notes somewhere. Pacers and shit. Well, well it, it, the Pacers and another small market team. And, um, and the Knicks miraculously got the, 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 uh, the pick and like they had envelopes. In that, that they like put this little uh, like swirly thing, and there's two theories on how the envelopes were picked. Like one person said that they they might have refrigerated the Knicks envelope to make it colder to the touch, <laughs> which is like okay, that's kind of ingenious. I like this idea. And the other thing was that there was this guy on stage with uh, David Stern called Jack Wagner, or Wayner. Well, my writing's terrible. Jack Wagner or Weiner. Wainer. He was a partner at an accounting firm called Ernst and Winnie, and he dented the envelope that was the Knicks. Oh, like it was apparently filmed. Like he hit it on something so you could like feel ruffles in it, and so it was like a two-tier system. If you couldn't feel the coldness because the stage lights were too bright and warmed up the letter, you'd feel the dent. And the reason why Ernst and Winnie is so important is like they were the uh, the accounting firm for Gulf and Western Industries who at the time were the predominant owner of the Knicks in 1985. They held 81% stake in the Madison Square Garden Company. And um, basically the why is like the NBA just wanted a good team in New York because that was like a huge market. They need and Ewing was like a generational talent. They needed him to go up against like the Celtics and the Bulls who were, you know, had Jordan. So like they were an up and coming team and they needed Ewing to like bring that market to the same level as the rest of them. It was the Warriors. The Warriors were the other bad team that were worse than the Knicks that year, which, you know, now you look at the Warriors might be a major market team. Yeah. Um, so I, so is this, for some reason, I thought you were going to go with like game tanking for that. 
not well, the, the way you the, went. The reason you don't game tank in the NBA is, well, now you can. You can get a higher percentage. But back then, it was all equal. So if you're, like, in yeah. the bottom, like, 10 okay. or 11 teams. Yeah, see, yeah. that's For some reason, I thought you were going to go with, you know, tanking games for, that's the draft, not for, I, for a better I, draft, too. But, yeah, dimming yeah. the envelope is pretty good. Yeah, that's a good way to, like, kind of you know, hedge your bets on uh, picking up a good guy. But like game tanking back then, it gave you the same thing. So you you know same chance as everyone else. Yeah. But game tanking like the, like now can get you a much higher pick, which is yeah. like the other draft kind of rigging. Possibly this is a little bit harder to pull off. Was mm-hmm. the the Cavaliers' incredible draft luck after LeBron made the decision to leave town, almost like reparations for him leaving town. So in 2011, I'm not gonna lie. For for a little while, I at least questioned that. Even as a Cavs fan, was like, are they are are they really? Uh... How are you? See, this is the one that I have trouble believing because. But nobody Cavs... ever rigs anything in Cleveland's favor. Yeah, the Cavs suck ass. They sucked ass <laughs> the year after, like that season after LeBron left. Holy shit, that was just a bad team. It was constructed poorly around LeBron to begin with, and he single-handedly carried that team. Um, like, under zero circumstances should uh, old man Shaq and Mo Williams be starting anywhere <laughs> at that point. That was, I mean, that was a notoriously bad roster after LeBron. The drop-off was Oh, yeah. Immense. It was notoriously bad with LeBron, though. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And he still won 66 games, I think, that one year. That yeah, year he went to, it was... It was it was nuts, man. Um, but I mean, that that was a part of, of uh, kind of it was kind of like a padded stat because like the East was bad. Yeah, um, and I think you could win thirty eight games and make the playoffs yeah. as a seven seed at that yeah. point. You know, but I mean, you you sit there and beat up on all those teams in the East, but when he got to the playoffs and you're playing like the best teams that were much deeper, um, like even the the uh, Garnett, uh, Ray Allen. Um, uh, oh Jesus! What was his name? Pierce Celtics. Yeah. Uh, you know they still had a, a decent bench that they could stretch out. So I mean, it's just I have no idea how the Cavs were ex- so successful in those years uh, leading up. You know to to you know James going to Miami, which but we we me. we kind of cut you off, Willis. Oh, talk no, yes, I'm sorry. No, no, yes, I'm fine. so sorry. You can interject at any time. No, no, no. I mean, yeah. talk us through that one. Oh yeah. well, I mean, like in 2011. Uh, like James made the decision in 2010 to go to Miami yeah. and in 2011, 2013 and 2014, the Cavs somehow ended up with the number one pick in all those years. Uh, in 2011, they had a 2.8% chance to get the number one pick. And with it, they chose, I mean, this is honestly the best of the draft picks. They got Kyrie yeah. Irving. Yeah. Uh, and then they got Tristan Thompson at the fourth pick. So that was a good, a pretty good draft for them. Like Tristan I, Thompson was salvageable as a center, I think. I have I have a lot of issues with Tristan Thompson. So <laughs> he, well, he he was salvageable as an offensive big man. Yeah, uh, no, how, how can you say he was an offensive big man? He's averaged nine points a game for his career. <laughs> I well, met more another, like rebounds. Well, isn't another like example of say like the tanking thing or whatever? Which, by the way, I hope y'all appreciate because we have talked several times about how I know nothing about the NBA. And damn it, I learned some things for this episode. Okay. <laughs> well, well, so, like, but, like, but hold on. Another example yeah. though t- could be the Golden State Warriors in 2012, and how they benched David Lee for some mysterious groin injury in the last stretch of their season. Well, I mean, 
uh, the fact that David Lee was playing on the Warriors should tell you how bad uh, yeah. you were. <laughs> but is, is that when they got um, Curry? Uh, yeah, but, well, maybe. Yeah, but Curry wasn't. Where was he? Curry was like a 22nd. Or he was in the 20s. He was, in the, he? He was in the teens. Like it was teens? like 12 or 13. Yeah. Okay. I, like I said, yeah. again, we know I'm not this good. I'm not that yeah. good at NBA talk. So I'm trying here, boys. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm trying I, 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 to expand my knowledge. Well, unfortunately, all my conspiracies tonight are pretty much NBA based, except for <laughs> maybe one. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Oh, man. I've got such a good one. And it's one that I've prescribed to for like oh. a decade. And I'm well, so excited. No, I want you to finish because you're the guest. Yeah. And I'm not going to interrupt. But oh, man, I've uh, got after- a fun one. After I finish this Cavaliers thing, I, I have to hear yours because you're very excited. Curry was um, taken seventh in the 2009 seven. draft. Okay. Oh, okay. 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 So, so that, that was, wasn't okay. So never mind. Okay. Um, but like they had a 2.8 percent chance in in 2011, 2013. This one I feel the least amount maybe being rigged because they had a 15.6 percent chance. Yeah. Um, and with it and with the number one pick, they chose Anthony Bennett, which they probably. I, that's I don't even know who that is. I anymore. honestly forgot about that yeah. pick. Right, I, I think know. he was out of Louisville, maybe. No, yeah, he was we, at, we, no, we he was out of him after like one season. He, didn't he, we? Was, at, he was out of UNLV. UNLV, okay. And it was a weird one. Yeah, and he got moved as part of the. Uh, was that the Kevin Love? Yeah, the Kevin Love yeah. trade, and okay. then Minnesota immediately moved him to Toronto, mm. um, and then he's just essentially bounced around Europe for the last you know, five years. Okay. And in 2014, they had the number one pick yet again, and they only had a 1.7% chance of getting that one. And they chose Andrew Wiggins, which I think ended up being a trade to Minnesota at the draft. Maybe no Wiggins was the Kevin love trade. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but Bennett, no, Bennett was, was moving that trade as well. Wasn't he? What what trade? You know what? It might've been both of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, Uh but like, I, but the only question about that, whether it may have been rigged or not, was like, was it like some sort of reparations for like LeBron leaving and then for him coming back? Because I think after the Wiggins trade to get love is when they built the super team. Well, yeah, you know, the team up in Cleveland yeah. with uh, love and all those guys and Kyrie. Yeah, it was Bennett and Wiggins along with Thaddeus Young. Um, and that's how we got uh, Kevin Love. Yeah. So we traded two number one overall picks for that. Yeah, yeah, and Wiggins is now in Golden State, and um, Bennett is in the some... G League. Oh, or... he's he's in the G League now, trying to make yet another comeback. Oh wow, yep. oh, man! You oh, know how what? the mighty have fallen. Yeah. Oh, dude, you know his teammates are giving him a lot of shit. Like, yo, man, I played at like Middle Tennessee College, you know. And you're on the same team as me there. And Wiggins is actually in Golden State now. Yeah, that's what I said. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Welcome to the podcast, Tim. <laughs> Glad to be here. Well, Heather, what was your conspiracy that you wanted to go off on real quick? Well, no, it no, might... no, no, no. No, no, you were excited. I want to hear yeah. it again for my next one because this next one's long. Okay, it's basically how the 2010 Auburn football season is complete shit. <laughs> Okay, explain. Um, first of all, uh, you guys, do you guys realize about, or uh, did you hear about the illegal spice use amongst the team that year? Yes. Yeah. I've okay. actually, I actually participated in that entire conspiracy at one point in my life. Okay. Okay. So for those who don't know, there is a, 
you can call it a conspiracy or you can call it a shadowy fact, whatever you want to say. Um, but basically, it's that for their 2010 BCS title year, that allegedly the school overlooked positive spice tests amongst the players. Um, and for some reason, you know, very mysteriously held off on testing their players until two weeks after the national championship game. And so, and ESPN, the magazine did a special called, uh, coming down on it and it, um, and that's kind of where they went into that whole spiel. Um, and ESPN discovered that one player had seven failed tests that the school covered up and didn't do anything about, which is really interesting because it also ties in to the Cam Newton pay for play scandal that they had going on at the same time. So that is why their BCS title in 2010 is absolute horseshit. Because they, they, it's not a, that's not a no. performance-enhancing drug whatsoever. It's, no, it's, no, it's no, a, but a play-disqualifying drug. Uh, yeah, it is. It wasn't technically legal at the time, though. That's the yeah, problem. It's a gray I mean, area. Yeah, that was. I had the issue uh, testing soldiers in the military. They pop hot on it, but it's not technically illegal. Um, and so, um, when, I am sure that there is still some kind of policy within the NCAA about use of recreational drugs. It's about yeah. to change. <laughs> yeah, and it's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> as long but, as they're not snorting rails listen, like it's off just, the bench seats before game time. Listen, cares? I just feel like <laughs> it is a little more than a coincidence that not only did they pay to have Cam Newton there, that they are also not testing their players for drugs and they win a national championship that year. I can I can see, I mean Two and two, two and two make four. Okay. Well, I think I think this may be some like uh, uh, some backlash over Tyron Matthew leaving LSU because he okay. got popped for the same drug. First of all, it's, first of all, it's Matthew. Matthew. I don't know how Matthew. it's spelled. It's a weird U H sound at the end of his name. What do you? It's an E U. What are you talking it's about? I E U. I'm sorry. I don't pay attention to players who've been suspended from big programs. And his and his was just actual weed. It wasn't even spice. Oh, he got popped for spice too. But like, yeah, it was actual weed too. Yeah. Yeah. I so, felt bad for him, the guy, but he got his life together. He's in the NFL. He won a championship this year. He's a good I know. guy. Yeah, he Turned is. He's a great dude. I thank, love thank, good, thank goodness for Patrick Peterson for turning that kid's brown. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Patrick Peterson totally went out on a limb for him. Yeah, at, for real. At Arizona, like for yeah. real. Like, yeah, who, who then got suspended for performance-enhancing drugs. Like. Yeah, okay, but listen, that's totally different. That's a different time. We're not talking about that right now. We're talking about how Auburn cheated their way to a national championship. Everybody knows it, and nobody wants to talk about it except for me. Well, I mean, Phyllis knew about it. He, he said he ascribed to the very same uh, line of thought that you did for a while. He said he contributed to it. Yeah. <laughs> I had my own very negative spice experiences. I, that is not a performance-enhancing drug, and if they can win a national title on them, I think they should get a second award for How it. Dare it's, a, no. it's a terrible no. drug. They need to be stripped from it. Um, uh, but no. my next conspiracy is the NBA game rigging. 
and this could probably even spread over to the NFL. I know we all saw the Saints-Rams game a couple of years ago, the NFC title game, which was probably one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen. Now, um, I, I need to ask, are you really just here to piss Heather off? <laughs> I swear, I feel like... I, 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 no, not really. I mean, I'm not a Saints fan at all. I'm a Panthers fan. I knew the Saints got screwed in that game. And I was like, <laughs> I feel you lost a big money matchup with Breeze versus Brady. Like, I felt like that was a better game. Why would the NFL do that? But I'd have no proof of it. I just have video that shows clear pass interference. <laughs> but uh, the NBA, there is actual proof of game rigging. Um, referee Tim Donahue. Yeah, he was Tim a, Donahue. This is a bit. He's, there's several books about this guy. Um, he yeah. was a referee from 94 to 07. Uh, he called 772 regular season games and 20 playoff games. And apparently was also a huge gambling addict. Yeah. He placed tens of thousands of dollars of bets on NBA games and used his job to influence point spreads for the mafia. Yeah. Um, Donahue would receive up to like two to 5,000 per, per correct pick from his bookies. And he received 30,000 from like other bookies he was using to like tip off um, about like player health uh, who's going to be playing this game. And then even he would use his whistle for fouls to get those, you know, point spreads in the right area. Um, but he also had some allegations against the NBA. Like this dude's, he went to federal prison, I think down in Florida. For yeah. This. It, it was a racketeering charge. Yeah. And, um, but his allegations against the NBA were actually more interesting than his own personal stuff. Uh, like on, on June 10th, 2008, Donahue's attorney have filed a court document alleging that game six of the 2002 Western Conference finals between the Lakers and the Kings yeah. was fixed by two referees. I remember this game. Yeah. I remember that the Lakers shot 18 more free throws than the Kings in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And apparently these two referees who are listed as referees A and F in the document they wanted to extend the series to seven games because it was good for the NBA. It was in their interest. It was a, and these got refs were referred to as company men in the document. Uh, and the Lakers ended up, yeah, like they, they shot 18 more free throws in the fourth. And the document claimed that top executives wanted to manipulate the games using referees, which actually makes a lot of sense. I feel like the NBA, out of all the sports, is pretty easy to like rig in terms of a point spread or in terms of extending a series. Uh, NFL clearly has its issues. Uh, we've seen stand-in refs make some pretty terrible calls over the years, and even regular refs make some pretty egregious calls. Uh, the NBA has been known, at least according to this document, they told refs not to call technical fouls on certain players and not to eject star players, like maybe lay off calling some fouls to keep them in the game longer, yeah. which I think is pretty common. We, you'll see like big-name players clearly commit a foul or even in James Hart's case, travel for most of the game and it's never called. So like that's, they've always cherry picked on certain things, but I thought that was very interesting. There's actual proof of game rigging, even though it's coming from a convicted felon. Yeah. I mean, that, that was the big knock. Uh, Cause that, that Kings team was probably night and day so much better than that Lakers team. Um, just to, the way they played. I mean, that was the Mike Biggie, Mike uh, Bibby, Jason Williams, um, Chris Weber, uh, Chris Weber, uh, Peja Stoyakovich. Uh, you know they just had a stacked team, and I mean I could see the NBA doing that. Do you really want Sacramento in the finals? 
That's not you a know? not a great look. No, it's not a good. It's not like big market, you know. What, but you got the Lakers with Shaq and Kobe, and you know, uh, the in, in the in the the aura that the Lakers have in, in L.A. You know, it's just I can see the NBA pulling some shit like that. Yeah, um, they screwed the Lakers a few a couple of years later after Kobe got into his little incident in uh, Utah, and they were going to. Um, that's all I'm going to say about that. And yeah. then they were going to like. They were going to make the trade for Chris Paul, but the NBA owned New Orleans at the time because yeah. the owner had some uh, marital issues that got real public, and they just took the team over. And yeah. then they said it wouldn't be good for the league if we give the Lakers Chris Paul, so they sent him to the Clippers. I was like, oh, that's them punishing Kobe because he really wanted to work. Those two probably would have worked very well together. Yeah, but, I mean, you also have to look at it um... – that was at a time when they were even talking about contracting uh, the then New Orleans Hornets. That was before the name swap, um, you know, because the owner uh, name, um, but the owner that brought them to New Orleans from Charlotte, right. like, didn't have the, the money. It wasn't even just his wife, the, the issues he had with his wife. He didn't have the money to own an NBA team. Like, he was missing payroll and shit, um, you know, and doing that. You know, that's why the, the league swooped in to, to take control of the team while they looked, you know, essentially went to Benson, Tom Benson, and like, please, you own everything else in New Orleans. Buy this team. <laughs> Buy it. Uh, uh, and it, honestly, what you probably should dig into more is the sale price because they, oh. the NBA was like, w- dude, give us four, you know, four cents on the dollar. You can have this motherfucker. Okay? I think he we bought it for $336 million, Yeah. I think, and, which is like, pennies compared to like what the clippers went for oh yeah you know balmer bought that team for two billion two yeah. point two billion yeah i mean some... even the kansas city royals baseball team sold for a billion yeah jesus yeah you know i mean it was benson got that team for nothing um you know but i mean yeah i, I thought that was odd but i mean i don't know if it was punishing i just thought it was a for what they were gonna net for chris paul it didn't seem like a, a a good trade, you know, what the Lakers were going to send to New Orleans to get, at the time, the best point guard in the league back, you know. So, I mean, it, it, I mean, it could have been them punishing Kobe because that was a huge black guy for the league. Huge yeah, I mean, well, it, it also took Kobe's status away as the face of the league, wow. and that's when it fully moved over to LeBron as the face of the league. And, yeah. and they kind of spread it out a little bit more now. Like, they wanted Steph to kind of take – a little bit of it, but it's still LeBron's league. Yeah, and it's go- it's going to be that way until he retires. He's the new Jordan. He's the yeah. face of the league. Speaking of Jordan, I have to ask y'all's opinions on a conspiracy theory I learned <laughs> on his. I, th- I think game. that's actually on Willis's on blue his, for today. His, she can introduce. She can introduce. On it. The, that's fine. On the, on the flu game. Oh, I don't have one on that. Go ahead. Do you believe that he actually had the flu? Or as Jalen Rose seems to, has said that he was actually hung over. Oh, I I, I could see him being hung over. Yeah, I mean, either either way, it's impressive. I don't yeah, care. Jordan. <laughs> Jordan. But he had he had a thirty five point game that yeah. night. Yeah, I mean he's a degenerate gambler too. So. <laughs> oh my gosh, we were just talking. We were just talking at work uh, this week on, on how people were saying how they were watching um, the the last dance. His. Yeah, that series or whatever. We were talking about how his eyes are just consistently yellow and red. 
No, it's probably drunk or cirrhosis. It's probably not going to last much All of it, because it's like normally sometimes like you can see somebody and you're like, oh, yeah, their eyes are really yellow or, oh, yeah, their eyes are really red. But he's one of the few people that you could be like, no, they are yellow and red (laughs) (laughs) at the same time that you can see. But, yeah, so I'm just curious what you guys think. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't put it past Jordan to be hungover after like gambling from... 8 p.m. the day prior until like 30 minutes before game time, you know? I mean, who among us hasn't had one of their best performances in anything hungover? Oh, I've uh, done great on stage, currently drunk. Like, that's... Yeah. that. Listen, but I've also bombed terribly. Listen, those those are my best cornhole games, okay? <laughs> you those are my up. best cornhole games. Some of my I, fastest so run times were when I w- stayed out way too late the night before drinking. I'm sorry. Is that within ten yards or within ten feet? Like back in my army days. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. That's fine. But <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, so, so this was back in '97. So this is '97, Jordan. Yeah. I mean, Jordan. I mean, it's a thing. Jordan is a. Uh, he he was one of those generational talents that could do that. Be up all night, drunk as fuck, or sick with the flu. Drop thirty five. Pop an IV and then probably go out the night, you know, after the game. So, okay. well, the thing, well, well, the thing is, is, like, it wasn't necessarily the flu. It was just he got food poisoning. Yeah, I've heard that one too. But yeah, that he that got these that sketchy got pizza delivered by five dudes. That doesn't make any sense. I wouldn't take that pizza. That's allegedly <laughs> that's what that's what that's what his um trainer. That's his story. His trainer that was there was that. Jordan had a pizza delivered to his room. Five dudes showed up to deliver it, and that Jordan was the only one to eat the pizza. It sounds like Jordan may have already been drunk before he ate the he pizza. Probably That's the was. only reason. Probably was. See, Jordan's my favorite basketball player of all time. I'm a Carolina kid, so I like I love that dude. But he's got his problems. Like he's definitely a gambling addict. That's oh, very yeah. well known. Like in 1992, he was called to testify on a criminal trial of James B- uh, Boulair, Bowler, whatever, to explain why this guy had a he was who was a convicted drug dealer had a personal check signed by Jordan for fifty seven thousand dollars. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so, uh, so Jordan first claimed it was a business loan, but then he was uh, under oath. He admitted it was uh, to cover some gambling debt losses from a single weekend jesus wow like that's a that's more than i make in a year on my current like job salary like that's a good day if i could win that from my yeah Uh, according to according to the according to the irs right now wink wink that's what you make right oh no i didn't didn't get that many trump dollars in my little (laughs) check i got the same what everybody else got um like but in early 93 uh, a San Diego businessman called Richard Equinus revealed in his book called Michael and Me, Our Gambling Addiction uh, and My Call for Help. It's a very long book title. God. He, he claims that he won over $900,000 from Jordan in golf betting. Like just playing <laughs> golf. Jordan's <laughs> like, oh, got man. some serious issues with gambling. Um, the NBA, it got so bad, the NBA launched an investigation into his gambling to see if he violated any league rules, which I'm sure he did somewhere. Like this is like beyond Pete Rose level gambling. Yeah, yeah. This is like oh, yeah. This is Phil Mickelson shit because Mickelson, 
you know, a couple years ago, they said he he once lost like two million dollars on a craps table or some shit like that. You know, I don't he think just, Mickelson has as much as Jordan though, like money wise, uh, but oh, he's definitely well off. Oh, dude, yeah. I mean, Jordan hit pay dirt with sneakers. Like that's he. If if he loses everything else, he's always going to have the that that royalty uh, deal with Nike and the, and the Jordan brand to it's like keep a quarter floating. billion a year. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, those two, I mean, it, when I think Phil Mickelson and Jordan, they're amazing at, well, Jordan played a sport. Mickelson just swung a fucking club. Uh, <laughs> I live uh, in a golf town. It's kind of, that would be blasphemous in this yeah, area. Oh, I know. Trust me. I, I hate golf with a passion. Um, but, uh, you know, those when I think about those two, I think of their how they they dominate their field, and then how they are degenerate gamblers. Like they're just like, hey man, I bet you twelve thousand dollars right now that I can throw this nickel into the machine, and I just it'll give me a Pepsi. You know, like I can see Jordan and Mickelson placing bets like that. Uh, well, they got the money to do it. Like that. Yeah. I, I, when you watch that, that would be the World Series of Poker. I'd watch Jordan and Mickelson. <laughs> Just oh make it, God! Just make it All... <laughs> right. Listen, be... at that point, I don't even think I would be—I would even worry about the cards that they had in their hand. I would just want to see the level of anxiety escalate between the two to see who gets the closest to a panic attack. <laughs> I, well, that's the thing. I don't think like maybe Jordan has all his panic attacks while gambling. He never showed any on the court. That's why yeah. he won all those titles. Like um, the gambling got so bad that uh, like. After they started the investigation, four months later, Jordan retired the first time from the Bulls after they won their third championship. And some people believe that he had some conversations with David Stern at the time that said, hey, you need to leave for a little bit to get the heat off of you. Because if you don't, like you're the face of this league. The NBA really blew up with Jordan. Like you had the great, like. Larry Bird, Magic Johnson stuff, but then you, but Jordan took it to another level. It mm-hmm. was it was showtime with him, and then he 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 retired. And then um, after at his retirement press conference, when asked if he would ever return, he said, five years down the road, if the urge comes back, if the Bulls will have me, if David Stern lets me back in the league, I may come back." He didn't need to say that. That was like just kind of maybe a Freudian slip, or yeah. maybe not. I have no idea, but for a couple of days later, the league dropped their investigation. So it was like once he decided to go play baseball for a what White Sox developmental team. Yeah, he he was you know the league the NBA was like yeah we're just uh, we're gonna leave that alone. Then he came back. He actually ended up with an offer to play for the Oakland A's pro ball, uh, but he took he took the deal to play double A ball in Chicago. Yeah, well, it's because Reinsdorf owned both teams. Like, he yeah. owned the White Sox and the Bulls at the time. So, yeah. um, you know, it, if he was going to come back, he wasn't going anywhere else. You know, I mean, you're not going to piss off the guy who signed your $30 million season checks by going and playing for, uh, which who was still a, you know, a really good baseball team at the time. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, would, I mean, I heard shit like uh, gambling is what got his dad killed. You know, and then yeah. that, you know, that, that oh, literally happened in my backyard. Uh, like I'm from St. Paul's, and that happened in Robinson County, where his yeah. dad got killed. Like old ninety, what near Lumberton, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that was the thing is that he, you know, uh, I mean, the big one I always heard was he owed a lot of money to, like mafia types, uh, like 
gambling in their establishments. Um, and then when he couldn't pay or he just refused to pay or whatever the case was, they went and killed his father. And then that's when Jordan kind of forked over the cash to kind of smooth everything over, which allowed him to do his little sojourn into baseball um, and then eventually come back to the Bulls. Yeah, I mean, if I was on my, like, real conspiracy theory stuff, I would be like, no, Jordan's dad was the blood sacrifice to the Illuminati to make sure he was great. But we're doing sports <laughs> stuff only. I'm not getting into all the blood sacrifice stuff. Yeah, you, yeah, you can say you really the witchcraft and stuff for uh, Mindus. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you got to watch for those lizard people. They're really yeah. slimy. So, yeah. I, get, I understand. Listen, I listened to the last podcast. I know. I got you. <laughs> I haven't listened to that since it went on Spotify. Um, but so yeah, since like, so since Valentine's Day? Pretty much, yeah. Oh, I used to love that show. I need to get back on it. I just don't have Spotify. Yeah, you do. <laughs> we're, we're, we're wrapping other people's podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. At least, at least Minda's Dead Girls Talking is part of our uh, 910 Comedy Podcast Network. Yeah. Which is also really good. I have checked it out, and it is. I actually do enjoy it. I do actually really enjoy it. That's right up my alley. So. It's very Yeah, I, I... I, I need to finish listening talk to Vermin Supreme's vice <gasps> presidential candidate. That was a good one. That was a good one. I listened to that considering my political <laughs> beliefs. It was it was I'm actually friends with him on Facebook now, so that's really fun. <laughs> that's a right. that's a pretty solid episode. Fucking yeah. Vermin Supreme, man. Uh, it's his vice a... presidential candidate. So wait, I'm sorry, wait, Willis, do you drive the car that has the Vermin Supreme twenty twenty sticker on it? I'm not a vermin guy. I'm a Jacob Hornberger guy. He's a different LP LP guy. Okay, because listen, because I see that car on my way to work every now and again, and so I'm <laughs> dying to know who has that car. I would be too. I'm surprised that there's not more of those guys out there. They're very good at uh, viral marketing. Yeah. So. All right. Well, what what other conspiracies you got for us tonight? I think the last one I had, and I didn't write any notes on this one, so it's uh going to be off the top of my head is the phantom punch probably the most famous uh muhammad ali moment other than rope a dope and uh, all that stuff it's kind of like his his rise to fame he was defending his title against sonny liston the guy who he controversially beat the first time when sonny liston decided not to continue after round seven now sonny had a long history of mafia ties as an enforcer and he probably had some criminal other things going on, maybe some gambling debts. So when it came time to drop the belt, typically the way the mafia works when they're going to drop, when they're going to get involved in something is they only tell the guy they want to lose. So even if Ali knew he was going to win the fight or, or, or thought that uh, Sonny took a dive the first time, he, he wouldn't have known about it. He would just kind of felt like, all right, but Ali's also got a big enough ego to where he's not going to let that bother him. I'm the yeah. champ, you know? But the second time with the Phantom Punch, the fight took place in a weird spot. It took place in Maine. Nothing ever happens in Maine other than anything in a Stephen King novel. That's the only yeah. thing that happens in Maine. <laughs> and the I think the fight promoter had mob ties. I know... Sonny's manager had mob ties and I think that this was just like a, a cash grab he went down in like a minute and 50 seconds in the first round to a, a like a grazing right hand uh from Ali in which he was unable to recover from he just kind of rolled around there's a the, I think it's the famous photo of Ali standing above him and yeah. like kind of hitting his chest and I think uh conspiracy wise it's 
it's like more uh, kind of up in the air because listed is you know it's this is the rise of Ali. It was his first, I think, one of his first title defenses. It's like did the, like is his at least his first fights are they built on kind of like a lie? Are they? But boxing is rife with this shit. Yeah, I think Pacquiao's when he dropped the belt last time, it was like to another Bob or rum fighter, and it was sort of, sort of like a transition champion. I, 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 I forgot the name of the kid he dropped the title to. Uh, Jeff Horn. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it was, it was uh, like people thought Pacquiao won the fight, and then this other guy, uh, I guess Horn, he, yeah. uh, he kind of won the judges. And this is also saying, like seeming to be the way the UFC is going with the boxing judges stepping in the judges' fights, and you're having controversial endings. Yeah. So it just... Like boxing judges, like this whole judge system, it's 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 easy to manipulate. I feel like, and it's not a conspiracy, and maybe more of like we need to look for a better way to do these fights. Maybe just have Rogan call everything. I mean, that, boxing's always been dirty. Um, it, it it cleaned up a little bit early '90s when John McCain, you know, passed some legislation. Uh, actually, it's the you know the Muhammad Ali Act, um, but. Uh, I mean, it's it's always going to be dirty, like you said. As long as you got judges involved, it, it, there's always going to be an opportunity for for graft and and bribery and shit. Um, yes, because you're you're. Oh, are you talking about Bob Ar- uh, Aram? Yeah, not just Aram. It's 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 Aram. It's all the other shadowy people behind mm-hmm. the scenes that control fighters. Um, you know, and it's just. But he I, was. Pre- I mean, he was pretty bad too, though. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, all all those fight promoters are for the most part. And I think UFC, well, mixed martial arts is catching the blowback because rather than setting up a whole separate commission where you have people that are familiar with how mixed martial arts works, um, you know, you're under the same umbrella as boxing. So you're going to get those boxing judges. You don't really know shit from Shinola about takedowns and kicks and everything else that goes into MMA. Um, I mean, shit, uh, I can't remember what fight it was. Uh, but it was only about a year ago um, that had somebody up by, like, four points going into the seventh round. And it's like, what fight are you watching? Like, this dude hasn't won a round, and it's been getting smacked around like a fucking speed bag. Uh, there's no way he's won four, you know, four out of the seven rounds that, you know, at the time. So um, it's just boxing's always going to be kind of dirty, I think. Um, and I, I would not be surprised if, you know, like you said, Listed was just like, well, fuck, I got to do it. So I might as well get this you know, night knocked out early so I can go do whatever it is I'm going to do for the rest of the evening, you know? <laughs> yeah, especially with the fight in Maine. It was like, there's only like 2,500 people there for a world title fight. Between, yeah. It was like, why, why are we wasting our time? Let me just take a dive, pay off my debts, and, and go home. Yeah. You know? Not a yeah. bad night for a dude who started off and very racist Mississippi, you know, and then worked his way up to being a world champion fighter. Yeah. And, so. and, uh, and Liston was one of the, probably the best heavyweights um, to put gloves on. It's just, I, you know, the the poor judgment he showed and and uh, gambling to Jordan-like proportions before that kind of money was readily accessible to boxers, you know, like. Well, uh, yeah, I, then he he had being uh, the wrong skin color in that era going against yeah. him too. Like yeah. they're not going to treat him any better. So yeah. I mean, Ali took a lot of flack for you know draft dodging and uh, joining the Nation of Islam, but it was like, hey man, I'm a libertarian. You do what you got to do, bro. Uh, avoid that war at all costs. Yeah, <laughs> I don't give a shit. 
Yeah. I, I like how to look up him that way. He might not have a lot of things to say about my skin color, but Ali was all right with me. He's going to avoid fighting people for not getting paid. Yeah. Get, get, make your money, man. That's the way I look at it. Yep. Well, Willis, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, how can people find you? Uh, I mainly use Instagram, Facebook, Facebook at Willis Madden. Come add me as a friend. I don't have a fan page. So on Instagram, uh, Willis under Willis Mad W Mad underscore comic. I forgot my Instagram handle. Just look for the beard. Like if I got a beard, <laughs> if, you, if you if type in Madden and he's got a beard, that's probably me. Look and for then, a of course, you know, once all this pandemic lifts, you can find him at nine one zero comedy stand up comedy shows. Um, that'll wrap it up for this week's episode of Hometown Crowd. Uh, be sure to follow us on all social media at Hometown Crowd on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can email us at hometowncrowdpod at gmail.com. Get in the conversation at our Hometown Crowd podcast group, facebook.com slash groups slash Hometown Crowd pod. And as always, subscribe on your favorite podcast source. If you're an iTunes listener, leave us a review and we will read it on the show. Uh, Willis, once again, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thank yeah, you. Man, thank you. Oh, thanks for having me. It's nice to talk to people again. <laughs> for Mac and Heather, I'm Tim. Thanks for cheering with the hometown crowd. Bye, everyone. And hey, listen, if you're going to spend your stimulus money on a new TV, just remember to put it on your neighbor's side so that way you don't get robbed. <laughs> <laughs>